Hello, hello. Welcome to episode two of the Happiness Podcast. One week later, we are on a roll. I appreciate everyone giving me such amazing feedback and questions that we can just keep this content rolling right along. And with no further delay, we are here again. Uh, Last week, we talked uh, in episode one, our very first podcast ever. We described more or less just kind of broke down happiness itself by the definition we talked about emotions turning into moods turning into emotional homes becoming your personality and uh, where we're at kind of a an assessment of where we stand now and what happiness is and how that contrasts possibly with where you currently are where you want to be we talked about the meaning that you can give things And that's kind of what I want to piggyback on right now. So the last week was kind of just breaking everything down. In this episode, I want to talk about our regular processes and look at them a little bit deeper and take a look at them. So in every second of every day, we are making three decisions at least. And in all moments, in all things, in all conversations, in all relationships, every new stimulus that comes your way, you are going to make three instantaneous and involuntary decisions about them. Number one is what we are focusing on. That is pretty, that's pretty face value. That's just as is what we're focusing on. It doesn't, that's just point blank. Uh, It could be what someone said, and nothing more. There's not a further process after that. The second one is what it means. And this is huge. For us as humans, we are story creatures. We live on stories. We thrive and govern our lives and repeat our stories and basically narrate and author this running dialogue for what our lives have been. And if you notice, we take memories and we just repeat them over and over and over in our heads until, you know, it's kind of a game of telephone. If you notice, we take a lot of our memories and we cram them through this time filter that shaves off some rough edges or paints it in a rose-colored lens or the opposite. It actually makes it, it amplifies it, it inflames the memory, it makes it worse, it makes it more terrible. We cause this almost this uh, self-inflicted PTSD, if you will, as we regurgitate these memories and further and further from accurate uh, accountants. So it's what, what it means is the second thing we do. And we take this through our own filters. We drag it through the mud of our experiences and we regurgitate some kind of meaning uh, based on that. So somebody could be having a bad day and say something, you know, very, just kind of shorten a text to you. And this is this, God, we all know that texts are probably one of the easiest ways things get lost in translation. And we can interpret somebody being short with, oh God, they're mad at me. You've seen that, you know, the kind of the comedy routines where they have a text message conversation. One is going off the rails thinking that this person's blowing them off. And all they mean is just, they're just being short and sweet. I have a girlfriend like that too. She's very matter of fact with her responses to me. And I have to remind myself she's not, that's just, that's the way she is, that she just responds with, yep, all right, see you then, that works, and she doesn't, she doesn't do the smiley face or the lol to soften the end of it, uh, she ends with, that works, period, no, (laughs) no ifs, ands, or buts, 
Uh, and the last thing, number three, is how we're going to respond to it, what we're going to do about it. So the three decisions to recap what we're focusing on, what it means, and what we do about it, how we respond. And once you tackle how you show up yourself, that we, we, I was trying to kind of get us to really assess what we're doing, you can also begin to shift this mental habit that affects your decisions. And this will matter very much to your relationships, your jobs, your finances, your health, as you understand how you've chosen to, so what, we're, what we did last time was we looked at the filters that we have in our habits and the places that we typically go or our knee-jerk reactions or the places that we you know, mentally and emotionally live. And once we get a handle and a grasp on those types of things and really look at them, that's when the decisions that we're making, those three decisions that we're making all the time can be readily, we can see how something can get lost in translation, how we can see and hear what's not happening or what is at face value what's what are the facts and what are the how am i decorating this with my own junk so why suggest you come before the catalysts why why do this in this order so why talk about yourself and your emotional homes before the things that come to us well what comes first you are your mindset let's take a look the way I would have you take a look at this and make this make sense in a way that uh, is fairly obvious, because if you know, there's a lot of things about being taught something or guided to something that if it doesn't make sense to you, you'll kind of nod and everything, but it really has to be uh, presented to you in a way that you understand. So, I would talk about your identity first. So, who are you? You know, take take a moment. Like, who are you? How would you answer that question? We usually start with rigid identity, right? We could say a number of things, mother, wife, daughter, friend, business owner, uh, avid baseball fan, devoted nurse, millennial, Christian, you know, 20-something. Take that away. Who are you? So you've gotten all that stuff down. Who are you beyond that? We usually move then to less rigid identifiers. You could say, I'm a lover. I'm an Enneagram 3. I'm a Gemini. I'm a healer, etc. Now take that away. Do you still exist? Who are you? Of course you still exist, but who are you? So let's find out. Let's do a visualization right now. Okay, so close your eyes. You're standing in front of a fire. So take everything you've ever thought. Take all of your thoughts. Everything that's ever gone through your mind, past, present, future, uh, daydream, negative, whatever. Throw it into that fire. Everything you've ever thought just burn away right in front of you. Now take your emotions, everything you've ever felt, everything you've ever gone through in your mind, in your heart, anything that's ever processed and given you a reaction. Take that. Everything you've ever felt, throw it into the fire. Now, take your experience, your life experience, your memories, the things that you've been through, the relationships you've had, the the scenes that you can play out over and over in your head. Take everywhere you've ever been and throw that all into the fire. All your memories are gone. Erased, clean slate. Now take the things about you that make you you, that make you different. Personality. All your personality traits, all your quirks, all your preferences. Throw those into the fire. 
you like war movies, you like, you hate peas, you like the color blue, throw it into the fire, everything. Do you still exist? Well, the obvious answer is, well, of course you do. It's odd to think about all that after that's all gone. Do you still exist? Of course you do. But what remains is why we focus on you first. That being is what you return to during meditation. It's what, who you are, who is speaking to God in prayer. That just, it precedes our habitual processor is still, it's still subsequently valid. Many of us, without practicing self-awareness, will often define the intangible soul by the rigid and limited characteristics. And this is backwards. Our infinite being should define our more limited personality traits and characteristics. Our unlimited being came to earth an information sponge It was unbiased. It was untethered to any outcome. So only through experience, we adopted facts and laws of life, how we relate to others, how to get our needs met. When we're a baby, we're just open to it all. And we're figuring things out. Like how, how do I get this lady to come over here and feed me? Because I'm uncomfortable. I'm hungry right now. We learn, okay, dark spaces that are quiet are safe. I hear my mom. I smell the familiarity of my house. I'm safe. This person who is loud and yelling and foreboding, they are scary. They are unsafe. So when I am around loud noises and I am, I'm unsafe here. We know, ouch, when that, when the dog steps on my hand, it's painful. That's, that's pain. Okay. When the dog comes toward me now, I'm going to start crying to make sure that that dog stays away from me. We know, we learn. So what's safe enough? Safe. We learn what creates pain and pleasure. Uh, with an emphasis for sure on how to get love, how to be loved and survived. No matter, all humans are built to be loved and to connect. So with this main driving force of how to get love. So, and no matter how inaccurate or skewed this experience comes to teach us, like for example, abused children learning to be unreasonably self-sustainable and emotionally hardened to acclimate to a harsh treatment in order to please as a replacement or a stand-in for love um, for their caretaker. This is what we begin to shove our infinite being into in order to develop as a human mind on earth. So no matter what environment we are in no matter how different these environments in whether you where you live even just take like a house you grew up in a house or you grew up in a tent if you grew up in a tent you don't know the difference it's not it's not a camping trip if it's your home so it's just little things like that we we learn what's normal we learn our place we learn how to fit and it doesn't matter how skewed it is because it's the only experience you're taking in a blank canvas a completely empty sponge and you're filling it with what's around it it can't just extrapolate an experience it's not had and say this is abnormal because it's all it knows it is the norm it is the first founding information it doesn't know anything else if we were not on earth being here would be really weird so 
this is how we shape, this is how our minds are shaped. It's just shaped with the base knowledge. So if you grew up in an abused home and all of a sudden, and quiet meant horrible. If somebody was quiet in a house that was always yelling, that meant somebody was really horribly mad. So if you ended up with a very calm spouse later in life and the house gets really, really quiet, you're going to assume, okay, a blow up's about ready to happen because it's all I've ever known. So when we begin to take self-inventory of this inversion, this data kind of this form this data forms and shapes our psyche and therefore our behavior our mannerisms our traits and so taking self inventory of this inversion we can begin to deprogram this and return to a more beautiful state of being this open space that we create is where we implant the nature we choose this is where we implant happiness so how can you live in a beautiful state every day by removing the barriers only you have chosen to keep in place when you know that that information is inverted to what you want and the way you grew up is not the way you want to continue, the way that you chose to live in an emotional home of dissatisfaction or discontentment or resentment or bitterness or whatever, and you recognize that's no, where, no longer where you want to be and that was just simply implanted because it was all you knew, you can then clear out a space for what you want to implant. It's just mental space. It's literally nothing else but something that once you become conscious of it, it's malleable at that very moment. So all you need to do is remove the barriers. And the vehicle to this, before you master the habit of choosing happiness in every moment, is meditation. Meditation is not something you make happen, which is where I... I understand and in my own experience lost me as a beginning meditator. I thought that I I couldn't get it to happen and um a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. Udo, I was at a date with destiny event and Tony at Tony Robbins and I was walking up to the front and I just remember sitting there with my friend uh, Raj and Dr. Udo were standing up there and I was just I can't do these guided meditations. I can't make them, I can't get myself to focus and get myself to get quiet and make it work like everybody else. Everybody else just seems so blissed out and so calm and I can't get there. And he stopped me and he said, meditation is not something that you make happen. It is something you allow to come to you for yourself. It comes to you naturally. We've created the distractions We just need to simply sit beside them and allow meditation to return to us. Allow that calm, beautiful state to come back to us because it is our nature. It is our nature before we came here on earth and it is the nature that we will return to after we die. So we've created the distractions, the barriers, the alternative methods for soothing, numbing, satisfaction, and we filled our lives with this gunk that blocks the flow of peace and happiness to us Meditation is merely the intentional clearing of those pathways to allow God to just rush back into our lives. And when we get that returned kind of resituation as a co-creator with God, that's when all of these things, these barriers, these blocks, these things that you haven't assessed, these fears, these limiting beliefs, these stories of the horrible narrative that we've created for ourselves, this self-doubt, loathing, shame, all of this stuff that we've repeated to ourselves on a day-to-day basis on loop. We have things that 
if we wrote down every single thought that we have had toward ourselves, I mean, I did this, there's a, there was a Tim Ferriss exercise and I did this myself just, just out of pure curiosity. And the, wow, the girl in there was an asshole (laughs) and she did not want me to celebrate. She did not want me to receive. She did not want me to feel peace. I had to earn my way to love. I had to work my ass off to the, in the way of being able to feel like I deserved anything good that came my way. And only through meditation and this allowing God to kind of use this open space to almost, if, if visuals suit you and they, and they do for me all the time, I I absolutely love a good, um, (laughs) analogy and, I love when Jesus speaks in parables because it makes things so simple and it connects the dots in a way that a lot of, you know, fine frivolous language can't. So if you can imagine, you're not necessarily going into the garage and <laughs> we'll say doing all the work yourself. You're just kind of clearing up enough space on the shelf for God to pull a box out and go, what is this? Are you... Are you getting rid of this? Is this is this keep? Is this sell? Is this donate? What is this? Is this garbage? And then sh- gently guiding you to what to do with that. Um, so if you can, you know, if meditation, if it still eludes you, just and this is where you know a lot of people check. I don't have time to meditate. If you only need five minutes in your morning, and if and if you don't have five minutes, you don't have a life. Plain and simple. If you cannot give yourself five minutes, look at your screen time at the end of the day and tell me you don't have time. So give yourself five minutes in the morning to just nothing, to just nothing. No phone, no distraction, no nothing. Allow nothing to be and just to be. And if you have any type of prompt that you need as far as direction, just give God five minutes Just put yourself down on the ground, lay down, stay in bed, do whatever you need to walk. You know, meditation is not always this, you know, clairvoyant, quiet, closed eyes, holier than thou, sitting at the edge of nature on peaked on a tiny little hill with the eyes closed and the fingers in some weird eye position. It's not like that meditation it bring it towards you bring make it accessible in whatever way you can it doesn't have to look like anything i have had some of the most awesome meditations when i'm just uh in japan um while i was i, I spent a little bit of time there uh, cleaning doing service for selfless selfless acts of service were such a huge part of being able to turn your body into autopilot mode and to let your your spirit and your heart and, and everything just kind of free flow, volley back and forth between yourself and God and, and just playing with a thought until you have form or something of it. And you allow just this kind of this wiggle room. And anytime you give God a crack and you even um, just remain slightly open, some of the most magical things uh, can come to you. Revelations, thoughts, things that you haven't thought about, memories that imp- that impressed upon you in some way that was solely negative or solely, you know, 
per, uh, psyche forming that you, that you forgot about. There are so many things that, that hit me. Um, a silly example, but I remember being told all my life that my childhood was just this chaos and black forgottenness that nobody could really align the stories with. And I, I chose to just orphan, you know, orphan myself with all of those thoughts that I was so unwanted and then I had no stability. And during a meditation at a, oh, I want to say this was probably in Fiji at a, no, this would at a date with destiny. That's right. And I'm sitting there and I'm finally just allowing, this is probably a year later uh, from that first time of allowing meditation to happen to me. And I had a memory. So my problem prior to was I didn't remember the first nine years of my life. It, it was a black uh, nothing. I couldn't remember anything, not a single memory. And I was always so envious about people who had memories of when they were a child, when they were a baby. And I, I don't have any. And I just kind of thought that that was that was normal for everybody. Nobody remembers that far back. And more and more people get, no, no, I, yeah, I remember when I was, I was in my car seat and this, that, and the other. And it was like, oh, I don't, I just don't get that. So during a meditation, he said, you know, go further back, go, go further back, take a memory that's younger, where you're younger, where you're younger, where you're younger. And I'm just like, I can't, I don't have anything. Everything's blank. And then I remembered you're trying to make it happen. So allow God to give you a memory of, you know, so I'm trying to battle this sense of instability and that my life was chaos and that I am a product of chaos and I'm an orphan and unwanted and I'm, I don't belong anywhere. And so this instability was just rattling me and claiming my story and claiming my, my mentality that my life was always going to be this abundant chaos that I wasn't going to ever form stability. And then I remembered a memory of when I was a little girl a baby, actually, um, and I still had a pacifier, there was the corner of my dresser. I would always put this pacifier on the corner of my dresser before I went to bed each night. And I had for, I mean, I never, I haven't thought about that since I was that age. I had stability in little ways. I, God was there. I had a guide. I had a watcher. I had somebody over me and I needed to know that. I needed to be reminded that, that I had a routine, even when I was very, very small, about putting this item of mine, this possession of mine on a dresser and going to bed and returning to it in the morning. And it was every night I did the same thing. So the things that you're facing, I would challenge you to just give yourself five minutes in the morning and stop making something happen. Stop trying to make a process happen. Um, what you're battling with, struggling with, a relationship you don't, you don't have the answer to. I would challenge and I would be bold to challenge that you do have those answers. You do have that memory. You do have that insight. You do have the quality that you're claiming is absent. You just need to kind of create some almost like you know, in the ice, it's, it's still stuck in the tray because it just doesn't have that movement that cracks it out of place. Just kind of crack some things out of place by allowing that silence. We're so crammed shut with our routines, our busyness, our social media, our relationships, our constant chatting, our constant scrolling, our constant, we're busy, 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 busy. Sensory overload. We never allow moments of nothing anymore. And being, being is seen as 
losing, failing. Uh, It's seen as stagnancy. And it's quite literally the opposite. You know, they say that four hours sharpening an axe when you only have five hours to cut a tree is still time well spent. Well, I would say that meditation is the sharpening of the axe to all things in your life. And uh, give yourself five minutes. Five minutes, set a timer tomorrow morning. Give yourself five minutes to just bring yourself back. You're gonna, your, t- your thoughts are going to float away from you. I would play a little background music um, to give yourself something to kind of mentally focus on. But it's not about the getting quiet as much as it is the returning to the intention of getting quiet and returning to that intention of getting quiet. As many times as you return, that's your job. That's, that's the job for now. It's a small goal. Uh, returning to that intention. Just, oh, got away again. Return to that intention. Oh, dang it. How long was I out this time? You know what? doesn't matter. Return to that intention. And uh, see, do that for... Uh, you know what? I'll give a small challenge. Do it for a week. Do it until the next episode. I would say do it for 10 days, two weeks, three, you know, 30 days. The longer you do it, the more it's going to change. But for the sake of small bites and small victories, I'm all about celebrating the small steps. Give yourself five minutes for one week. Maybe journal after. Record what you're coming across. Record your prayers. What did you ask? What was what was said to you? Did anything happen? Did anything reveal itself in the signs? As you crack yourself open, you will find that there are signs and there are words and there are things that are going on around you that are always meant to be guiding you. And with the distraction and the minutia of life, we will miss those nine times out of 10 because we're just not paying attention. So meditation is the way that we can make ourselves fluid enough to pay attention to the big life that's going around in on, on the undertow of everything else in this life. All this small stuff we're getting caught up in, it has absolutely no matter to the big picture. So wiggle yourself loose, get reacclimated with the big picture, record yourself five minutes, journal seven days, and I will see you in one week.